Hey, welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, and today we have a special guest with me, buddy of mine, Jim Mooney, who's one of the owners. He's Joe uh, Frontier Towing. Seven four eight eleven hundred for for uh, for Frontier Towing. Now you've heard some of the stuff that he actually does with these vehicles. Uh, just write the number down. I mean, you probably will not do anything to your vehicles, whether it's in a crash. Hopefully, nobody gets hurt in a crash or get stuck. Whether you're in Reddington Pass, whether you're running across water, you had no business going across. But that one phone number will get it all done for you, 748-1100. Jim loves to go out and do this stuff, too. He actually brought a fifth wheel over to my place at home. So they move just about anything and everything, 748-1100 Frontier Towing. Also, this this portion of the show is uh, brought to you in part by Spectrum, Ina Road Auto Collision. That's where Jim needs to tow them to when you're out on the freeway or you get a fender bender and you want good quality work done. Spectrum, Ina Road Auto Collision, 4425 West Ina Road, 744-4454. This is another little number you might want to write down. 744-4454, Spectrum, Ina Road Auto Collision. And all he needs is a claim number and a contact point, and you can just ship that thing straight over there to him, and he'll take it from there because there's a lot of pictures and stuff that have to go now with the claims. Uh, the inspectors need to see what's damaged. You can't just look at the front end of a plastic car and say, okay, I know what this takes. No, if you're going to do that, you have to price out a front end, period because there's no shortcuts on plastic breaking. This is Arizona. The UVs eat all of these little plastic parts that's holding fenders on and inside fender uh, wheel wells and stuff like this. So Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision, 744-4454. They also will paint, you know, the burn spots on the top of your roof on your vehicles? For the ones I'm just having trucks, you might, I know you wash it well, you wash it and you keep it nice and clean, but you don't get up in the bed of the truck and look at the top of the roof on your truck. I didn't. I had an 06. I had to take it in and have it, the roof painted because there was a couple of spots up there about as big as a softball. Well, one was about as big as a cantaloupe and one about as big as a softball. But they were, it had just started the fade blister process and I got it handled before it got bad. So it was, it was fine after I got it taken care of. All right. Uh, on, we, last week we had Bill call in on his Subaru, had a Subaru, uh, what was that? Subaru Forester. And he was, had an issue with the brakes. He didn't trust the brakes. Now I'm hoping that Bill did what I recommended do, go out and find an old road and lock it down, see, and get used to the brake system that he has. But it brought up a little thing that I thought, you know, let me see if I can research some of this on these different brake systems. People, a Mercedes has a different braking system than a Subaru. People, the Cadillac has a different braking system than a Subaru. If you think about it, most of these little cars and vehicles are speed rated now. You go into a tire shop and you say, okay, I want four tires. I want, 
I want the ones you got advertised in the paper. That's the cheapest thing on the planet. Okay. So, and the guy looks you straight in the face and says, I can't put them on your car because they're not speed rated for your car. If he does, he's liable. So don't get mad at the tire shop when you go in and ask for the special that they advertise in the paper. And he says, I can't put it on your car because it's speed rated. So just remember that when you go in to, uh, get this stuff done. The brake system is the same way. You've got brake systems. Uh, now, Bill asked me last week, can you modify these things? Yeah, you can modify anything as long as your billfold holds up. And um, you can you can put uh, Pinno rotors on a race car, uh, but they got different suspension components and parts that you have to buy to make it happen, which is kind of expensive. But you can actually put a Pinno rotor on the front end of a race car. And that comes with a cost. So, yeah. Now, would you recommend that, Jerry? Would you recommend putting a Pinto rotor on the front of a race car? Uh, we had them on the modified. The reason I know it works. Yeah, you look at them and you say, okay, it's got a wheel bearing about as big as a door handle. <laughs> it's a little bitty thing. But race cars, they run at, um, well, the wheels... You have to use a race wheels because it'll pull the studs out. But I was surprised. But now you got to remember when you put those little uh, pinto rotors on the front end of a uh, race car, uh, you still have to redo the studs on the wheels. You go the five eight stud instead of those little seven sixteenths, and then it'll keep the wheel on. But we have never ripped out one and six hundred and eighteen horsepower at five at six thousand RPM. But You've got to consider when you're running dirt, you can get away with that light duty stuff. If you're running asphalt, you got a side pressure on it that the tires grip better. You're not sliding, so it's not broken loose and you have it. It's not hooked up on dirt the way it hooks up on asphalt. So if you're going to try that on asphalt, I don't recommend putting little pinno spindles on them. They do have lightweight uh, stuff that you can buy through speed shops and stuff like that that'll lighten the load a little bit and still have the strength there. So that, you know, just be careful when you're modifying that. If you're, if you have a 68 Mustang, you want to put a five lug, um, Pinto system on the front end of it with a, you got a 289 in it and you drive it like I do. Yeah. You can probably get away with it forever. Small rotors, small brake pads, use a premium brake pad and uh, you can get away with it. If you're driving a 618 horsepower, 6,000, uh, 2,100-pound car on a race car, no. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even do it on a, a dirt track because I'm a chicken, you know. And the older I get, the more of a chicken I become. I'm almost at the stage of being a turkey when it comes to that. But, um, no, I don't. I would just think it. that the rotors would get too hot running a, running the race car. I thought the rotors would get really hot and, and get warped or fade or... That seems kind of interesting. I, I would have never thought about putting pinto rotors on a race car. Uh, well, you use the OE pinto rotors. You don't use aftermarket. Yeah. Okay. OE from difference. 1974. That's <laughs> the last time a pinto was made. Yeah. You, you, you can find the rotors, or you can even find them in a, in a uh, salvage yard or something like that. You know, that that's the economy way to do it. Will they work? Yeah, they did. They did. Okay, but uh, you know when then when we re- started replacing the brakes and all that stuff because they they grind down pretty good but not as much on dirt as they do 
on asphalt, okay? Uh, asphalt, you're on your brakes a little bit more to get through the corners. On dirt, you're sideways going through the corners anyway. You know, the only thing you use the brakes for is going to pits and try to stay out of a crash on the straightaways. So, anyway, uh, brake service, brake jobs, okay? Now, you, I've already told you that the high-dollar cars and the speed-rated cars have a better braking system. So for Bill out there on his little Subaru, if you're listening to us, Bill, I want to find out if you actually had a chance to take out uh, that car and see what you actually think about it once you got on it in an emergency situation see, see, to see if it would actually stop. So give us a call down here, 719-1490, 719-1490. Also, I have two tickets, as promised, for the NASCAR track tonight. Uh, the reason I don't have four tickets is because they have limited seating. And so two is all I could come up with this time. Uh, callers number one and three. Callers number one and three, 719-1490, 719-1490. They will handle all the information. You'll need a phone number. Uh, I need a, I need your net full name and a phone number. And then you can pick up the tickets at the will call section of the track when you go out to Tucson Speedway. They open tonight at five o'clock. Okay. All right. Now let's, let's talk a little bit about brakes. Now, Jim knows that brakes on a diesel is a little bit different than brakes on a uh, car. Right. Uh, a lot different. A lot different. <laughs> Brakes on a so brakes on a on a on a big truck. Brakes on a, on a class eight to semi truck. Very different than brakes on a car. Although they still have anti lock, but they're you know in lieu of hydraulic brakes, they're air operated brakes. So an anti lock system on an air truck is has the same principles, but functions completely different than on a on a on a car. So, for example, in the car, all the hydraulic fluid stays together in the system, and on the air system, the air just bleeds off into the outside because you can just keep put more air into the system. It doesn't care. One of the good things about an air brake system, but yeah, the the brakes are are the drums are 16 inches in diameter. They're seven inches wide. Uh, they've got chambers on them that are six inches in diameter to push to stop 80,000 pounds. It's they're much much different. How, how often do you have to change your brakes? So it, it depends on on your applications. Um, so for for us um, on the big trucks, we change them. They, they change about every I don't know twenty or thirty thousand miles. And you're thinking, wow, that seems like a lot. Well, yeah, they get used up. Um, they get used up right away because you're, you're hauling a truck, you know, and, um, you're trying if, even if you have brakes hooked up to the towed vehicle, you know, like imagine that you're hauling a trailer and you've got the, you know, you got your your electric brakes hooked up to your pickup truck. So it'll help stop you. You, you basically, it won't, they, there's so much force on the, on the truck, on the tow truck that the brakes get burned up right away. They, they get eat, eaten up. And when we do them, we don't. It's practice in the industry, like you know, Jerry. You'll you'll take uh, rotors off and you'll turn the rotors and you'll put new you'll put new uh, brake pads on. And if the bro- rotors aren't too bad, you use reuse the rotors. We just throw it all right. away. We we start whenever we do a brake job, we have to start with all new drums, all new hardware, all new brake shoes, 
check the slack adjusters, select, check all the bushings, and just because we just start from scratch every single time. We used to try and years and years ago, I learned this. We tried to, you know, economize and turn the rotors. Forget it. It's not even worth it. Because on a big truck, what will happen is, the, like Jerry was talking about, the rotors will get really hot. Well, on a on a truck, the, they have brake drums, so they get really hot. They'll get so hot they'll fracture. Actually, so a piece of them will actually break out and and hit up against the wheel. So now what happens is the broken part is is there's a big hole in your drum, and as you're applying the brake, the brake shoe rolls up and it gets caught in the in the broken part of the drum, and it just, just rips everything off. Just rips everything to shreds right off the right off the truck. All the brake shoes are gone. Right. Hardware is gone. Everything is just ripped. It just rips everything to shreds and just bends it to pieces. So you do that one time and you realize, wow, see, a hundred dollar drum or I don't know, a thousand dollars worth of repair parts. And if you have bent the housing, you know, that's three thousand dollars. So let's just throw right. the drum away and put a brand new one on and we'll start from square one, just like it did when it came out of the factory. And yeah, and there you gotta go. do that about about every twenty or thirty thousand miles. And that's not just us, that's anybody who runs trucks like that. Um when you run at a regular dump truck with a um with a trailer, you know, it's, they go a little bit longer, but, it, but yeah, so you get to, you get to plan on doing that. And, and we, you gotta check them every single day because you can go down a hill and if you're not paying attention, if you're not, you know, so we have to go down hills with loaded tractor trailers. So we're 120 feet long, rolling at 120,000 pounds. So a normal truck weighs 80, but with us on the truck, it's 120,000 pounds rolling down the road. I'm going to tell you something, 120,000 pounds, I don't care how many brakes you have on, does not stop in a minute. If you think you're you cutting in front of the guy and he's going to stop, ain't going to happen. So we have to go down hills, you know, with, in low gear, you know, using the transmissions and the Jake brakes to stop us as we go down. Because the brakes won't hold you. You, you go down the hill and you can burn them up in, in, in five minutes and you're, then you're freewheeling. There, it's it's uh, the brakes get the drums get so hot and the pads get so hot they have no they're like grease like they put spread grease on them there's no effectiveness whatsoever so you got to be really really careful when you when you tow stuff real heavy stuff just like when you're towing your camper trailer you know you you're going down a hill you you slow down you gear down a little bit you know you you know you don't you don't want to get going overly fast because once that thing gets moving it it's it pushes you along and there's no you know, it it doesn't it doesn't want to stop, and then all of a sudden you start fishtailing, and then it's um, then it's a bad day. Now now the trailer's jackknife into your truck, and you know your co-pilot is an unhappy camper, to say the least. She is very unhappy, <laughs> and the last thing you want is an unhappy co-pilot. Oh yeah. Yeah, because you got your hands full trying to slow that son of a gun down. I come back from Flagstaff towing a, a four horse trailer in a in a motorhome, and when I go through the summit, and it says where I'm going through, I plan and I am going down the other side at 45 miles an hour with that big load, because the 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 horse trailer with the horses in it weigh about. Uh, around almost 10,000 pounds, and then the motorhome weighed 13,000 pounds, and I had a I put on an electronic jake brake on that thing, electronic brake on it, and when I go come off that mountain at Flagstaff, I'm going 45 mile an hour. I'm already in second gear coming off the top of that mountain. 
I have people drive by. They flip me off and everything like that. And then I come down, and uh, this one 18-wheeler come by me because I was running about, you know, 10 mile an hour below the speed limit. And he come by me, and he pulled over in front of me. He, he No, he didn't cut me off or nothing. He just come on by me and pulled over. I, he's, he's smart. He knew what I was doing. And But his left rear brakes were on fire on that back trailer. And so I got on my CB, and I told him, I said, hey, big guy, I says, your left rear is on fire. And he says, oh, crap. And he looked out, and he says, okay, well, I've got to see if I can get it blown out. And he got off of that thing, and he come down that mountain. He, he, he did say, pick me up at the bottom of the hill if I don't make it. And when I got down the bottom of the hill, oh, he was there at the bottom of the hill. He made it to the bottom of the hill. He slowed that son of a gun down. He got to a pull-off place. He pulled off, and he was out with his fire extinguisher. I guess he rolled out of the cab with a fire extinguisher, and he went back there. But the fire was out because I seen him get out of the truck, and the fire was out. I didn't know that you could just get off the brakes and blow them out by, you know, road speed. But um, I guess he he had to. You got to do what you got to do when you got that big thing. But I see people all time that'll pull out in front of an eighteen wheeler, and then they'll 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 pass him at uh, the speed limit, and then they'll get on out, and then they will pull right over in front of him and give about a car length between the front bumper on that eighteen wheeler and their car, assuming that everything is going to work out right. And I'm sure somewhere in Google, somebody has done a test on uh, reaction time, uh, you know, a reaction time of a 17-year-old, a reaction time of a 70-year-old. Trust me, it's two different reaction times. Now, so you got a professional truck driver sitting behind you, and then you went to sleep driving in front of him, and all of a sudden, you go down the hill, you're speeding up, and he's, okay, well, he's moving right along here, so, you know, he's still pretty comfortable. He's got a good distance behind. If something happens, he can probably dodge you. And um, all of a sudden, you have a blowout or something. Holy crap. And then you panic, you hit your brakes, and guess what? I don't know what your reaction time is, but I've got a pretty good idea what that 18-wheeler is thinking right behind you. And you see these trucks where they've jackknifed, and you say, okay, if you got all these good brakes on them and ABS and all this, why this truck jackknife? I can't answer that. I don't even care. The main thing is I don't want him running over me. I will give them all the room they need, even if I have to pull off the road. So, uh, you know, and then in town, 45 mile an hour. How long does it take you to stop 80,000 pounds at 45 mile an hour, Jim? Uh, it takes a quarter of a mile. You can't you you can't stop at forty five miles an hour. So when we're driving through town, because we're towing the the buses that break down, um, yeah, it, it, going down Grant Road is is a complete challenge. You're going to go from one stoplight to I never make it to forty five, Jerry. I don't know. I've never made. I'm thinking about it. I've never made it to forty five in town because you get stopped at every single stoplight. Um, you get up you get up to about twenty five or thirty max, and then you're then you're slowing down again, and you have to you have to gear up and gear down every single time. 
It's interesting what you said about the, the guy with the brakes. What happens is is the, the brakes get so hot, you'll actually see them as you're driving. And this works. This is really good at night. Yeah, it'll look like sparks coming off of them. It'll look like a little, like a little sparkler behind the wheel. You'll see, actually see sparks coming off of them. Mm-hmm. And when he stops, it immediately engulfs in flames because it's so hot, it, 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 it starts melting the tire. But what he was talking about is that uh, if, you, if you release the brakes, and, and, and keep driving, the air circulates and it actually cools it down. And, and just like like blowing like blowing on your finger when you burn it, you know, the first thing you do is you yeah. blow on your finger because you cool it off. Same thing applies. And you can if you get if you can go far enough, you can get the the uh, you can get the air to cool the pads down, the brake shoes down, and, and the drum down, and and it keeps the tire cool. You won't have an issue. Um, fire extinguisher on, on a trailer tire, on a, tire, a brake fryer, doesn't really work all that great. Water works amazing because it's cold. It's cold and wet, and it actually stops it. Um, fire extinguisher, once the fire starts on a tire, it's all over with. You, you're, you're out of play until you have a fire truck with 500 gallons of water. Mm-hmm. That's what stops those oh. fires. Yeah, oh. that's a bad day. Well, yeah, when, the, 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 when he passed. off with the air. Yeah. When he passed me and pulled over in front of me and just just as he got cleared, I was I was back behind him then. I could see the flames coming off of the brake mm. on the left side. Oh. You know, if I'd seen sparks I wouldn't worry about it. I'd say, Okay, he'll figure it out. But when there are flames coming off the back end, you've got that big load. I didn't know what he was carrying. And um uh, but yeah. And that, you know, for people listening to this radio program, they say, okay, Jerry, now what are y'all talking about all of these things for? Hello, you drive on the freeways. So does the big truckers, especially on Sunday afternoon, Sunday. And when they're going down the road, you need to stay off of their bumpers. You need to stay out in front of them. If you pass them, you go on and get some distance back there because that guy's doing everything he can to stay safe on the road. They'll be in the right-hand lane unless they're passing. And it's just it's a safety thing that you need to watch. Just because those big monsters come by you, anything is, is still capable of ha- happening. A blown front tire on an 18-wheeler. A lot of, Do you all have those safety things that keeps it from jerking to the front now? Is that on the, all the 18-wheelers? No. All right. No, that those are not on all the eighteen wheelers. You blow a tire on the front, and you're going for a ride. If that it, it'll yep. because the, the front suspension's so 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 strong. If you're not holding onto the wheel tight, it'll jerk it right out of your hands and throw you into the ditch. So yep. it's 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 well it's, same it's thing with these big motorhomes. The big motorhomes, as far as I know, motorhomes same thing. Have a CDL license. Even though they're supposed to have one if they're over 26,000 pounds, but they don't. When these big monsters pulling up beside you, and motorhomes run a little faster than 18 wheelers do. I've seen them run 80, 90 miles an hour, and I'm going, holy crap. How 450 horse. Well, they haven't figured that far ahead. Huh? 450 horse. something cheap they to hit. Really the only way I can figure it. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jim. Oh, uh, yeah, 450 horse. I, those things go good. And hauling a trailer, you're right. It's it's a Class 8 truck rolling down the road. But the RV community doesn't have to have those licenses. That's, oh, well, that's yeah. just the way it works. So, Well, they should have them. I've seen some idiot drivers in motorhomes. Anyway, <laughs> all right, let's go to the phones. Who we got? Uh, we got Herb on line one. 
All right. Herb, good morning. Welcome to ESPN Simmons Car Care Show. Hey, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. How are you? Thank God I'm above ground and no one's throwing dirt on me. I'm in good shape. If they were throwing dirt on me, yes, I may sir. have a different opinion about it. Yeah, well, you wouldn't have any opinion, huh? <laughs> yeah, a bunch of people standing over crying, saying, "Oh, he was such a nice man. I love." No, no, thank you. <laughs> right, hey, hey, right. He's, everybody's innocent when you die. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do I, I have a quick question for you. I have my um, the um, stabilization on, on the dashboard. It's like over a bump or something. I'm over in Dale, and so the roads are. Some of the roads are not are not. Um, I'm not uh, totally, you know, out there. But anyway, so when I'm driving, uh, I go with bumps or something. The, um, the the light will go on, and it would it would um, it would um, execute the um, the stabilization uh, on the vehicle, and um, mm-hmm. and it won't go off unless I uh, turn the engine off, and then it would go off. So is that something? That that should that immediately be looked at. Is there any um, ramifications if it's on or not? Uh, so that's my question. What, what vehicle, or What vehicle? I have a, I have a, a 2013 uh, Nissan Juke. Yeah, you need to have it looked at. Uh, a lot. Now, on my 99 Ford uh, F-250, I could come up to a stop sign and I, where the roads before, you know, the roads in Tucson are so smooth anyway, but it hit those little ripples when it come up to a stop sign, and all of a sudden yeah. I could feel my uh, ABS brake come on. And Correct. the lights, I don't know if it's, you know, and then... Uh, I drive off, and I didn't have any problems once I got the smooth road again. But when I would come in and apply the brakes, and then I'd have these little ripples in the road, and I don't don't approach a stop sign fast. But it would come on. We checked everything on that 99. I couldn't find anything loose, a bad ground. It could have been a sensor, but it wouldn't do it all the time. So, you know, I just said, well, it's probably road because every time it did, it was when I hit those rough roads. And uh, But you can take it in, take it in, uh, having to check for uh, uh, technical service bulletins to see if there's any issues with that and um, get it it checked out. How long has it been doing it? Um, I would say about, uh, about five months. About five months. But it hasn't been on, How long yeah, have you had the car? On a regular basis. You know, only when I go over the, the uh, if it's a little bumpy, it'll, it'll do it when I stop. When I say I'm driving, it won't, it won't, um, it won't engage. But as soon as I stop on the, on the brake, then, then it will engage, and it won't go off. Are you still I on the washboard road when you put the brakes on? Excuse me. Are you still on the washboard roads? When you put your brakes on, when you engage your brake no. pedal. No, no, I'm on the I'm on the uh, on the uh, uh, smooth road. So if I'm still okay, and then um, right, and then you put it in. Yeah. And does a brake pedal pulsate when you do that? Yes. Okay, that's ABS engaging. 
You can take it in and have it checked out. Uh, it's been doing it five months. How long have you had the car? Oh, since, since I bought it new. So I had it. Okay, had, okay. And I, I have a regular Take check it in. Okay. Take it in, have a sensor check on the ABS system. Okay. Okay. Because that you really want to have it work, and it needs to work all time, not part time. Okay. And if you've got something that's doing that on the rough road, then it's probably shook something loose. It's got a bad wire going to the sensor, or it has a bad ground, which is, uh, you know, it's just it's a dirt road. The rules change on a dirt road or a real rough road if it's a continual drive over this rough road. So, the, yes, I would take it in and just have them check the uh, sensors on the ABS. Tell them what problem you got. Okay. It could be a little more than that because I remember some of them being a little more than that. But uh, I would check, go with the, go with, just have it checked out. As Brian Fuller would say, test first, don't guess. Okay? Mm-hmm. But you're going to need Absolutely. a professional, you're going to need a professional to look at this. Okay. Yeah, of course. Because I just wanted to know if I because because I have to get scheduled and then I have to go over there and so forth. You know, so am I doing something that uh, detrimental to the car that would that would um, you know make it even worse when they do do it uh, over there or or, or what, what what are the possibilities that that could happen if I if I if I prolong the uh, if you ignore uh, it. If you ignore the brake system, you don't want to do that. Take no, no, it in, no, 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 get it no, checked no. out. Okay. The, All right. If, no, no. if it, you brought this vehicle in 2013, it's only been doing this for five months. There is a problem with it. You need to address it. Okay? Okay. Very good. Very, very good. And another question I was uh, going to ask you. I heard you, you were talking about uh, diesel. Diesel have different brake systems. Now, if you have a diesel on a on a car, you know, like a, a diesel car, is that the same yeah. uh, scenario, or, or it depends on the weight of the car? Uh, it depends on the weight of the car. <laughs> the uh, okay. brakes on a car that has a diesel motor in it is pretty much the same as one that has a gas burner motor in it, depending on the oh. physical size. In fact, it, it, it's all physical size and the way it was engineered. You have a little uh, four-cylinder diesel. You have a V6 diesel like some of the Rams have. Uh, you still have a brake system on them. Most of them mimic what's on a gas burner, the ones that I have okay. seen anyway. Uh, the only thing that would be different would be the Hydro Boost on the, some of the diesels, which is a uh, same thing. It feeds your power steering. It also feeds your brake system. And then you have the regular master cylinder with the booster on the master cylinder, which is most of the braking system out there now. However, they're going to electric brakes now on these things. And so you got electric brakes on different cars. So uh, the little, the little, if you have a Volkswagen diesel, the brakes on them, they're just, they're the same. You have them inspected on a regular basis. They should do a brake inspection when you have the oil service done at about 5,000 to 7,000 miles, or if you run it 3,000. It's still supposed to be check your brakes every time you do that and service the brakes because you've got the calipers, the pins on the calipers that slide back and forth to actuate and deactivate your brake pads to the rotors. That picks up road sludge, and those caliper pins start sticking. So they need to be cleaned, serviced, relubed, 
at every time you do a oil service. It's just they should do that for you. And then that keeps you going like you're supposed to because that's the biggest problem with one brake shoe wearing out, one brake pad wearing out before the other one does is a sticky caliper. Okay. Yeah. Now, so, I have one other yeah. question. I'm not going to keep going. One question. If you have an, an, um, an electric vehicle, fully electric vehicle, does that, how do you mm-hmm. do it? Because you don't go for oil changes. But how do you, what do you do with that with the brake system? Because I know it uses electric brakes, but it's a little different. Well, you, you can pull the wheels and take a look at the pads. Uh, pull the wheels. You, you know, you have to schedule it in. Just schedule it in about once a year, depending on how many miles you drive, and right. schedule it in and have somebody pull the wheels on it and inspect, take a visual look and measurements on the pads that you have on that vehicle, front and rear, because most of the electric cars have uh, rotors all the way around. Okay? So okay. just take a look at them, me- measure them, see what they compare to a brand-new pad, what the wear pattern is, make sure that both of them are wearing equal, and uh, you should be good to go. But, yeah, Okay, I'm sorry. No, I was saying that when but, most people, if they buy an electric vehicle, they think, oh, I don't have to do anything with it. I just drive this. Uh, I forget about it. No, they don't think about those yeah. things, you know. And when, they, when they're driving, and that's the most important thing about driving a vehicle out of brakes, then if they don't think about it, whether it's electrical or a, a diesel or whatever it is, you know, if they are not uh, maintaining it, they have big problems, you know. And that's, that, that's the bad part that they don't really tell that to, to the general public in reference to, to uh, electric vehicles. They think, you know, you can drive it forever without getting it any service, you know? Yeah. Well, that's not true. Jim, you want to weigh in on electric vehicles? You seem to tow them off the freeway, uh, and especially on the brake system on those uh, electric vehicles. So electric vehicles have a little bit different system. They use the electric motors as part of their braking system. So mm-hmm. what happens is, is they take the electric motor, and when you let off the gas, um, the the motor on the wheel actually turns into a generator. So the generator actually pulls pulls makes generates power to charge the batteries, right? So they call it regenerative right. braking because it's generating, and mm-hmm. so that load that it takes to run the generator is part of the braking system. Um, and but they do have brakes brakes on them, but the brakes are real light. They have just you know brakes for for slow stopping and stuff, but they're real light and real thin because most everything's done with the electric DC motor. Um, it, they right. or they can actually apply a backwards force to help slow the wheels down. It's it's very mm-hmm. it's very interesting. It's very complicated. Yes, it seems it seems that way. That you know again, it's just not looking at the brake shoes the shoes alone. You know, there's much more involved in that. So. Uh, a lot, sure a, a lot, yeah, yeah, a lot. That, that, a that lot. New technology, yeah. And odds are, you're not going to get a chance to work on those, or at least not not the current that we know of. Um, a lot of that stuff, I'll have right. to go back to the dealer for a couple reasons. One, they they want to have the control over you, but mostly they they do a lot of um they do a lot of um electric cars are new. They want to do a lot of um assessment to make sure that the that and gather data on how the vehicles are running and how they're wearing. I mean hydraulic yeah. brakes on cars have been around since the thirties, so we know what they work like. But electric right. car braking is fairly new technology and they the OEMs really want to see 
real world data on how things are being used because they can't get that off a test track. They can try, but they can't right. mimic everybody's driving habits. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you so much because I was looking at electric vehicles, and you know, when I'm listening to you guys, you know, wondering, yeah, you know, the difference between that and and on uh, and uh, uh, a regular vehicle, you know, and you know, and there's certain things you have to look at, you know, that are expenses involved in maintaining the vehicle, and this is one of them, you know, uh, that you have to be totally aware of. Well, so know, before and, before you buy that electric car. Uh, check with the manufacturer. You want to get the the high the heavy duty charging system, the 220 volt charging system yeah. to actually charge the car. And uh, check check your house to make sure that the that your home can support that service. Um, yeah, that's one of the I have, things. Yeah, yeah, I have a I have a special um, outlet for it that I put in for uh, it's one of uh, my uh, treadmills run on that same type of uh, power, so I had a special um, output put in it. So so yeah, so I, I know what that you mean to say that. Yeah, so that's okay. Good. Uh, I was just very good. Yeah, your your electric car experience will be better. You'll you'll have you'll have better. You'll enjoy it more when it charges properly. So you get you have to pay more to get the uh, the 220 or 240 volt charger, but you'll enjoy the car more because you won't be waiting three days for it to charge up. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, and you could get those at Costco. They sell them on Costco online for like. Three hundred and thirty dollars, and it does and does that supercharger. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah, okay, very good, guys. You're very informative on everything, Jerry. Thanks for your help and thank you. And uh, you learn a lot by, by listening to you guys. So just in reference to driving habits and uh, and maintaining your your habits and being safe on the road, that's the main thing. And I appreciate that for for you guys. Thanks. Well, thank you much. Appreciate the kind words. Thank you, sir. You're, you're welcome. You have a good, safe right. day, and God bless you all. Thank you. God bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, 719-1490, 719-1490, 719-1490. 719-1490. back at the studio, you want to tell me if those two tickets are gone, or do we put them out there again? They're all gone, Jerry. Andrew? Huh? They are all gone. Okay. Well, next time I have a race, hopefully they'll open things up and I can get a four four family four packs. That'll be nice because I, I like those. But um, anyway, all right. Thanks. Just keep the information and text it to me. Thanks. All right. Uh, we're we're talking a little bit about brakes. In fact, we're talking a lot about brakes. We talked a lot about uh, you know driving because vacation time is here. And when you drive and you drive down a road, we've already covered what happens to old tires that have uh, dry rotted cracks in them when you run them for a while and it builds up pressures in them. You have a tendency to go ahead and pop a tire. Uh, and uh, Jim covered last week about towing an electric vehicle off the freeway. Now, what, uh, oh, and on the uh, charging system, most of your uh, electric vehicles now are for stage one, which is a 110, and stage two, which is 220. Your higher-end vehicles actually have a stage three, which is a 440. So that's that's what Jim's referring to when he says uh, make sure that your house is wired for the at least the 220. The average charge time on a battery with a 110 is 24 hours. 
I think it splits between a 220 and a 440. A 440 will charge your battery up to 80% in 30 minutes. That's the big mama. That'll get her done. Uh, the 220 is a lot faster. I haven't seen a stat on that. <coughs> I would think probably around eight hours, and it'll take you all the way to full. You want to top your batteries off on electric cars. You drive it, you drive it two miles down the road, come in, plug it in. It'll shut off when it gets back up to where it's supposed to go. But top them off, and that way you don't uh, do a deep sale, for lack of a better word, deep charge on them every time you get a plug in. So, all right. What else you want to do well, on this, Jim? <laughs> well, I was I was going to tell you, um, if I, yeah, you're right on the on the 220 charger, or the 220-240 charger. It's uh, it's eight hours, but not like the 110 where it could be many days. Um, so yeah, travel. Uh, people have been cooped up for a year. Uh, AAA estimates a 45 percent increase in travel in the summer months. Forty-five percent more people on the road going to going places, going to lakes, going to going camping, going hunting, going fishing, uh, traveling around, just getting out because they haven't got out in a year. So, um, so yeah, so when so anticipate a lot more traffic on the road. That means a lot more cars that haven't been driven for a year. Or have been driven lightly for a year, you know. So yeah, Jerry nailed it right on the head there. Uh, tires, brakes, radiator hoses, cooling systems. Get all that stuff checked before you go. Don't don't uh, don't chance it. I mean, you can. What about? I love you for it. <laughs> I love you to death for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. Um, it is. But I, what I, do you I, recommend? <laughs> Jim, what do I recommend, recommend for an emer- for emergency kit? Emergency well, that's a tough one today. Um, you know the the old the old uh, pantyhose for the for the fan belt don't fly anymore. That does not work. You you need to have a belt. You can, I mean that used to be the you used to carry your girlfriend's pantyhose and you could tie them in a knot and put them on the fan belt. Yeah, that don't work anymore. You write that off. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you know the best, the the best the best thing to carry for an emergency kit is to be prepared. D- don't think about okay what do, what happens if I break down. Think about okay how do I prevent myself from breaking down? Yeah, your things go wrong. You run over debris in the road. You're gonna get a flat tire. You know that's what you got a cell phone for. You call calls. You know, call nine one one. Call us. Call whoever. Call your friends. You know, when when you as long as you're not injured, that's great. But the best, like they say, you know, the the best offense is a good defense. You know, you need to if if you go into it going, hey, I I, I solved a lot of these problems before we left, then you then you don't need to call me, and I'm good with that too. I'm I'm happy to come get you when you need me. But you know what? If you can avoid it, well, there, there's plenty of work. Trust me, there's plenty of work out there. It's, it's I'd rather I'd rather you get to where you're going safely and have a good time than have to than be cussing up and down on the on the on the freeway at at road, people at 75 miles an hour or 90 miles an hour on I-10 whizzing by you in 110 degree heat waiting for somebody. I mean, you could be you know on your way to the beach in California and you're out by Yuma. You know that's not a great place to be stuck on the side of the road ever. Not that Yuma's bad. It's just hot out there. It's just really hot. <laughs> 
And you don't want to be sitting on the side of the road near Yuma because I know good guys out there that are great tow guys, and they're happy to come get you. But you don't want to be waiting on the middle of the road um, at 110 or 120 degrees, hoping that, you know, you got enough water for everybody. That's a good thing to put in your emergency kit. Take water. If you're going to go traveling, take water. Take lots of water. Water's cheap. Put a put a put a case in the back of your car because you're going to need it for you and the and the dogs. Uh, and the um, take uh, take um, uh, take you know I mean you could you can pack your car full of everything on the planet. You can put coolant in there. You can put you know gas if you want. But what you really need to do is just just have the car checked out or check it out yourself if you're if you're you good need at to, it. Check it out yourself. Look at you it. You need to see what's going. Okay. Take the car in about two weeks before you go on a vacation to your favorite shop and say, okay, I'm going on vacation, and I would really like to make it, so can you please check this thing out? Check it from bumper to bumper. Check everything out, <clears throat> and including the tires, including the brakes, because if you go to California, they don't drive like we do in here in Tucson. They drive like they do in NASCAR. And that's if the traffic is moving. The safest place that I found to drive in California was a full tank of gas driving in traffic because nobody's moving. It's hard to get in a fender bender when nobody's moving. But once that thing clears, those people fly. You get a half a car length in front of you, somebody with a smart car is going to take that length away from you. You keep backing up. One time I thought, I'm going to be back in Tucson if these people don't quit coming in front of me. I'd leave a car link. And my wife said over there, said, you can't leave a car link. I said, I don't want to drive this fast. I can't stop fast enough to keep hitting the guy in front of me. Well, then, then, then I said, well, then I guess I'll wind up back in Tucson if I keep it staying out, backing up or time somebody pulls in front of me because they're notorious for that. That and Hitting a horn. You can be sitting in San Francisco, and before you can mash the accelerator, somebody behind you has already bumped the horn. Go on, go on, go on. And I'm not kidding. I, I drove San Francisco one time, and I told them, I said, the only way I'm going to maintain uh, my composure is we'll just let the wife drive. And she drives like they do anyway, so it's no problem. And uh, But I'll tell you. Uh, you know, that's the people's driving habits. You can't assume that that car that just passed you has had the same regular preventive maintenance on their vehicle that you have. You cannot assume that you're not allowed to. That's that's you. You think, OK, maybe they don't. You just assume they don't. And if something happens, are they going to have the same stopping distance that you do? Are they going to think like you think? No, it's not going to happen. It, it's not going to happen. So be prepared and think what happens if. And then you, hopefully you'll be all right. But get the vehicle checked out before you take off and go to San Diego. Get that vehicle checked out before you go to Phoenix. Get it checked out before you go to Las Vegas. Get it checked out before you go to Arkansas uh, or Texas. You know, get the vehicle checked out. Take it to your favorite shop and tell them, I'm going on vacation. I need a vacation check. And then if they come back and say, okay, Jim, in order to get you to San Diego safely in this car, it's going to be about three grand. Well, 
that's when we say, instead of you using your vacation money to repair your car, go rent you a car. This thing will probably limp around in Tucson for a while, and then you can work it in your budget. But take your vacation. You've earned it. Rent a car and go on. And that we do all the time. We've been doing that for a good year after year after year. Or if, you know, we're close to Mexico, everybody here likes to go to Rocky Point. And I can see a lot of people go wanting to go to Rocky Point this year because it's, it's, it's 160 miles to Lukeville from Tucson on a two-lane road mm-hmm. through the reservation. And then it's another 65 miles from Lukeville to, to Puerto Conosco to Rocky Point. So, yeah, odds are, you know, you can get service out there, but the best thing to do is, is be prepared before you go out there. Because on the side of Highway 86 between Tucson and, and Y, why is it out there? I don't know. But Y, Arizona, it, there's a two-lane road. There ain't no place to pull off. There's not even a shoulder on the side of the road to pull off. You, you pull off the side of the road, it's desert. Then going down to going down through uh, Oregon Pipe National Monument on the way from Y to Lukeville again, it's just cactus. There's no there's a white line and the edge of the pavement, an inch away. There's no place to pull off. And then for Brocky Point, that was exactly a little bit better. But still, you, those are not places you want to be broke down. I mean, you if you do your best and you try, okay, we get it. But if you if you do, if you just think ah we're just going to jump in the car and go, yeah that's that's just not good thinking. You don't want to put yourself in that position. You don't want to put your family in that position. It's a simple thing. You right. you wouldn't you wouldn't tell your wife to drive through a red light, right? No, oh honey, just drive through a red light. It's okay. No, you would never do that. So so don't do this. Check, get it checked out, like Jerry says. Do the vacation check. Get it checked out. Get the tires checked. If they're old, I know, it's it's a little costly. Change them. Because you know what, it's a lot cheaper to change them now than because you're going to buy because if they blow out on the side of the road, you're going to buy them then, and you're going to buy them at five times the price. So which do you want to do? Spend yes. five times the price then, or just do it now? I also recommend reflector uh, stands that you put back out behind your car that reflect at night to let somebody knows. They also, uh, you know, uh, you can use flares, but I'm sure that Jim probably has a big flares and stuff, but. When you're no, we use LEDs. We use LED flashing. We uh-huh. use LED flashing lights now. No flares. Flares cause fires. We have LED flashing lights. They they're cheap. They're Amazon cheap. They're eBay cheap. You stand them out there. They're LED. You put them out. They they light they they flash for hours and hours. You set like them out that. down the road like and they stand up there and they flash and and they're bright. You can see them from a mile away. They're great. They're really good. If you if you if you're going to have the breakdown kit with your spare tire, your water and your spare tire because you should take a spare tire with you always. And a lug wrench oh, yeah. and the key for the lock nut if if you got locking nuts, you know, and uh, I know and, and and you know what? If you haven't done it, <laughs> if you haven't done it, then this is a this is a good thing to do in your preparedness test. Go try and change your own tire. Just if if you don't know what to do, have somebody help you or call us. We'll come help you. Uh, change your own tire. Take jack the car up. T- take the lug nuts off. Put the take put the new one back on and, and set it down. Try it one time so you understand what needs to happen. Because if you practice that one time before you get out there on the side of the road in the middle of the desert in the heat with traffic blowing by you um, and you're flustered, you got you have a little bit of a mindset. 
put it in your driveway, chalk the wheel, set the brake, but pick it up, jack, take the, use the, use whatever you're going to use. If it's the only equipment, which is fine, jack it up, t- t- do a test run. Try that one time, and then you'll learn all the little pitfalls, like, oh, I should have loosened the lug nut before I jacked the wheel up, you know. Um, yep. The little things that, you know, if you do that practice, I mean, it take, it'll take you 30 or 45 minutes, you know, the first time. If you but, never, it, you know, but you're drinking be, iced tea, you're doing it in your driveway, it's under safe condition because the rules change, like Jim says, when you hit the freeway. And you haven't lived till you change a tra- uh, 10-ply trailer tire on the side of the freeway with those 18-wheelers coming back by because the wind off of those 18-wheelers and that big horse trailer that you've got like a, a billboard set that you're changing a tire on, it will rock that thing to the point of scaring you. You know, that's probably the fastest tire change I've ever done on a trailer is when I was changing it on the side of I-10 with 18-wheelers coming by. you talking about motivation. But when you get out on the side of the road, another little thing, and you say, wow, this road, if it's 107, 108 outside, that road temperature is going to be between 140 and 160. So exactly. when you get ready to squat down, squat down to take that thing off, you can use your floor mats to put it under your knees to keep from burning your legs while you're trying to change that thing. You just get your floor mats out of your car. They all come out. Just pull it out, put it down, and then don't forget to pick it up and put it back in unless you just want to go buy another set. Then it's up to you. But <clears throat> that we found out. I don't like the factory lug wrench that they put in these cars. I carry a star wrench with me. It's got two or three. Well, it's got four different size uh, lugs that it'll fit, and it pretty much covers my horse trailers, my truck, uh, my uh, motorhome, you know, so I've got it. But when you take it, you keep in mind, the torque on a car on the lug nut is about 75 pounds. On an F-250-99, it's 125 pounds. When you get up to the diesels and stuff, it's not uncommon to see them around 150. Now, I don't know what they are on those big 18-wheelers like Jim Drive. What's the torque on that truck for the 18-wheeler? 650. 650 foot-pounds. You're not, Holy crap. Yeah. <clears throat> the one-inch okay. air, air, well, air I, impact to get them off. Yeah. Well, I've got a one-inch impact, electric impact that I use on the motorhome because that sucker, I don't know what the torque ratio, I think it's about 165, something like that. It could be higher, but no, I it's, know it's, that it's, it's, it's way higher. one-inch impact to get it off. So, But these are the things that you need to know before you leave the driveway. I agree with Jim 100%. If you don't know how to do that, and when you pull the tire off and you're out, even in your driveway, you loosen the lug nuts off, you jack it up then, and you get the tire where you know it'll clear. You pull the bottom of the tire out first. Then you pull the top out because if it's going to fall, it'll start. It'll be moving when you pull the bottom of the tire out. And if it falls, the tire will go to the inside instead of it slapping it in your lap. So that's, that's real critical, especially on the side of the road, because I'll guarantee you, you're not going to be sitting on a flat surface unless you're darn lucky on the side of the road. So 
That's, that's no, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Make sure you stop attention. the wheels. Make sure the wheel, the vehicle won't roll. You're right. That uneven surface that you're going to be on is a guaranteed. You're going to be on the side of the shoulder. It's going to be gravel. It's going to be road millings. There's going to be broken glass. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. You're going to have to clear the path so you can, so you can, you have to take the jack and, and get it into a, into a safe spot, into a, so it's flat. Yeah, all those apply. Doing it in your driveway one time is not the same as doing it on the road, but it's a lot better to at least learn it there, exactly like Jerry says. And when you're changing it, don't be laying under the car. Get be off from under the car. Kneel away from the car. The floor mat. The floor get mat. Get your legs out from under the car. Get your legs out. Get your kids away from the car. Uh, the floor mat yes. idea is a great idea because when you got to lay down to get that tire out of, of an F two fifty, when you got to lay underneath that F two fifty to pull the tire out from underneath the back of the bed, well, I'm going to tell you something. That is the most. The most not enjoyable time. All right, Jerry. Hey, you got anybody else we're supposed to say thanks to before you before we wrap up? Uh, not really. It's just as if you're going on a vacation. And by the way, the average cost of a new car in 2020 bloomed up from uh, thirty-two thousand, thirty-three thousand, up to forty k. The average price at the end of the year, twenty twenty, forty k, forty k. So uh, think about it and. That's that's about all I have for right now. How much time we got left, Andrew? Uh, thirty seconds, Jerry. 30 here comes seconds. the outro music. Okay, all right. Thank you. I'll. I'll uh, when you all right, Jerry. It was a pleasure being on with you today. I really, really enjoyed it. Let me know when you want to do it. Thank again. you again, Jim. Have a good weekend. Stay safe out there, Daddy. Have a great day. And for the rest of you, till next week. God bless. We'll talk to you later.